0: Welcome to the Desire to Grow podcast, a podcast focused on growth in all aspects of life, whether it's spiritual, physical, and mental, helping us grow in our careers, relationships, and hobbies. I'm your host, Sam Dish, and this is episode 7 with George Khalife, Vice President at the Toronto Stock Exchange, connecting U.S. companies to capital. Welcome to another episode of the Desire to Grow podcast. Um, I'm very excited for my next guest today. As I'm on my journey of talking to extraordinary millenni- millennials who have experienced growth, today I'm speaking to George Khalifa. He is someone, who, a millennial who's experienced a lot of growth. Um, he is currently working at the TMX as a vice president, where he's developing the Midwest and US business. Um, he is a graduate from the Telford School of Management in University of Ottawa. And I actually met George at a conference two and a half years ago. So it just tells you like these small interactions that you have, you never know how far they can go. So um, I I messaged him a few weeks ago. We had a chat. I'm like, hey, would you like to be on the podcast? And now we're here. So um, can't wait to begin talking to him, hear his story. And welcome to the show, George.
1: Hey, I appreciate you having me on, man. I I still remember that conference too, by the way. I think it was around like Bookback, if I'm not mistaken. You came up and you're like, hey, listen, I've downloaded the app. Uh, You know, I, I really like what you guys are doing. I have some thoughts on, on, on features you got, you guys can roll out. So, uh, it was a pretty smooth, smooth interaction. So, so definitely appreciate your hustle as well.
0: Yeah, no, I, I actually loved talking to you. And I, I think at that time too, you're doing a workshop on sales and storytelling yeah. and that that workshop really hit home for me. Like the way you told everything and the way you interacted with everyone, like it was definitely a, a good interaction, a memorable one for me, for sure. So, um yeah and george actually has his own podcast too the let's grab coffee podcast uh so he's he's a podcast host himself love the podcast so i definitely check that out too
1: dude i I gotta say it's much easier being on this side you know when you're a host and you're the one asking all the questions you have to do the editing uh you you know you have to do the scheduling all that stuff It's, it's much harder being being on on the other side of it so yeah kudos to you for starting
0: uh, thanks, here Thanks. So with with these podcasts, um, the, I do definitely with it being the desire to grow, start off with that growth mindset. Um, so when you hear this term growth mindset, um, what does that term kind of mean to you?
1: Yeah, I think for me personally, you know, the, the way I would think about having or developing or or just even maintaining a growth mindset mm-hmm. is really always developing that self-awareness within yourself, right? Personally and professionally but also figuring out ways that you want to grow, right? You want to evolve. And that can mean macro or micro things within your career, right? So as an example, if you're on the sales side, having a growth mindset is not just saying that, okay, well, I'm an extrovert, I have charisma, I have that, you know, that, that personality that would entail a salesperson, but what can I do to actually grow beyond that, right? What are the techniques I can I can develop? What are the sales courses I can go to, the meetups, the different people I can align myself with, uh, it's always just being 1% better than you were yesterday and, and always trying to develop or hone on your skills. It's never, you know, seeing that finish line. I think that, that to that to me at least is, is a growth mindset and knowing that and I think it's easier when when you surround yourself with people who are always smarter than you. You know, like uh, just a couple of days ago, uh we had a FaceTime chat with with a couple of friends of mine, all of whom are in Toronto. Dude, these guys are like 23, 24, 25, and and we're just we're throwing around different investment ideas, things they're coming across. And I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, now 27, and I'm like, this is crazy, you know? Yeah. All of these guys to me seem so accomplished. They're doing so much. So it kind of gives me the fuel to constantly want to be better. Uh, and so I just think it's having the ability to recognize that it's never enough. And two, you're never in competition with anybody else. Something that's very easier said than done, but to understand that you're always in competition with yourself. And in, in the sense of understanding where you can improve, right? Having the humility to understand that you do have weaknesses and gaps, but to also the third part, which is probably the most important, is, is to act on them, right? And, and actually figuring out ways to execute. So if you do get constructive feedback, maybe personally, right? You, something within your personality is rubbing someone the wrong way, maybe your partner, your friend, your, your sibling, mm-hmm. again, going back and, and looking in the mirror and saying, well, how am I going to develop? Just having that constant reflection, that constant dedication to improving small bits and pieces, I think that, that to me is a growth mindset.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm in full agreement there. I feel like it's, of course, the, it, it takes time uh, and you got to take it step by step. And I feel like the biggest piece right. that you said is the execution. I feel like that's where people struggle the most. They do reflect, but they're not really kind of willing to take the action to kind of improve. So like, it's 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 all, it's all it's like a two sides of the coin, right? It's like, of course, you have to assess where you're going, but you, you definitely got to take the action too to kind of take it to the next level or take it to the next step.
1: Yeah, well, the, the hard part, just on that last piece, and I think this is important to talk about. Um, I'm going through this in, in different ways, and I'll explain how, but like that last piece you were talking about in terms of execution, the reason why sometimes that's so difficult is take something as like a morning routine, right? We all know hypothetically what a, a great morning routine looks like, you know, like the, the, the person that does everything that you think is great, right? Wakes up at like 5 a.m., right? The 5 a.m. club goes, does a cold shower, meditates for like 40 minutes. But dude, that's, impo- like when you do all these things works out, has like a, a vegetable shake, you know, like all these things that yeah. ideally are great to do can seem very daunting, right? Especially if you do none of them. And so when you, when you look at this massive list and you're like, what the hell am I supposed to start with? First of all, I, I'm waking up at like seven, right? I love warm showers and hot showers. How, how, how am I gonna step into a cold shower, let alone do that at 5 a.m.? You know, so I think the, the problem is you, you wanna be perfect. You wanna be perfect immediately. You want change to happen in a day and you want change across every dynamic of your day. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. And so just the important piece about executing it as far as what's been working for me is just pick one thing that you can, that you can really start tackling slowly Mm -hmm. and just take it day by day, but also not in massive magnitudes. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to do a cold shower, it's okay to start hot. Let's say go a little bit warm and do like a second with a cold shower and then jump out. Right. Just one small example. Versus saying, you know what, today I'm going to do a 10 minute cold bath like that. It's a massive step forward and it's going to discourage you to, to continue actually creating lasting change.
0: Mm. No, I, I, I love that. Um, something I can really resonate to like through working out, right? When you work out, you're taking in small chunks, right? You're increasing your flexibility. You're not, you're not going to lift like three plates on the first day. You're kind of taking it step by step. And right. It's like that gradual progression. They call it progressive overload in fitness. Um, it's, it's like taking that gradual step to kind of get to your end point. And I think that's a really, really good point for sure. Um, in, in terms of the growth mindset. Uh, so, uh, a bit more about you now, George, uh, you, you've had quite the story. Like, um, I, I, I've been following it only through social media. I did chat about with you briefly, but I'd love to hear a bit more about you. Like, uh, what, how you've experienced so much growth, I guess, from the university days till now, um, kind of just mm-hmm. running me through that, that whole story of you, George.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I'll, I'll try to be as brief as I can and, and cut me off if you think I'm going the wrong, in the wrong direction. But, um, you know, went to, to the University of Ottawa, right? And um, so I think for a lot of people who know me, I kind of grew up in this uh, family within banking, right? So always grew up in, in a notion of like finance. And it seemed it seemed so cool to me, right? Not, not not the Wolf of Wall Street type of finance that I think a lot of people get confused. You know, I I just saw my dad, especially at like a young age, you know, wearing nice suits and uh, analyzing the markets and you know commodities and forex and like this is so cool I don't know, it just seemed really really interesting to me when I was 16 so uh, funny enough I actually didn't even enroll in finance when I went to university I said let me try to be a bit rebellious you know and I actually went on the uh, international business path uh, didn't end up doing finance for the first two years and then uh, the financial lab at Ottawa U opened up Right, And that sparked that kind of, uh, that love I had at 16 when I was seeing my father go into into the bank and and head up the treasury side. And I'm like, this is so cool again. You know, like what do these terminals do? Um, You know, the markets were always changing. Prices were always changing. There's new news that affected everything that happened in the markets, whether it was politics, economics. That's what I loved about finance, dude. It was like, it had everything, it kind of overlapped with accounting, uh, geopolitics for that matter, and also economics. You know, three, three things I actually enjoy, but in small doses. Yeah. So I wouldn't say I love accounting in full. I, don't, I wouldn't say I love geopolitics in full or economics, but it has small pieces. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that was kind of my, my start there. Um, and then in university, we started this this uh, student-run investment fund called TNV, which a lot of people know, that that eventually became a student endowment. So when we first started, we were just kind of pooling capital. It was started by, by good friends of mine, Anthony, Aaron, and Dan. Uh, we joined early, started building this thing up. And it was just a bunch of like second, third year students who trying to invest, you know, our own money into the markets and, and trying to learn that way. And then we started, uh, I, I, honestly, I, I want to say stupidly, but it was like, we, we just started going to Toronto, doing these trips. When we had midterms the next day, we had final exams. Yeah, yeah. We started doing these trips and, and pitching potential investors to raise funds for this, uh, for this investment uh, kind of vehicle that we were trying to build up. Everybody said no. And eventually there was, there was one, one individual. He was an executive at TMX, uh, Jean de right. A very close mentor and now a very close friend of mine. Uh, was like, you know what, we're going to write you a check. Um, this is my personal money. So he gave a, uh, he gave us a couple, a uh, couple thousand dollars and he's like, show me what you guys can do. And let, let's start building this. Anyways, that became a, an endowment fund. Uh, it's called tell for capital. Now they manage, I think around $400,000 wow. of, of, of the, of the school's pension, uh, obviously funded from like alums and stuff, but it's, it has a, a, a formal structure. So that was kind of the the intro, right? But in uni, dude, I, I never was introduced to sales. I, I never kind of understood marketing the way I do now in terms of storytelling. Mm. I learned all of that when I, when I graduated and I started my career at TMX um, in terms of, you know, I did a two year, similar to what you're doing now, I did a two year program. It was an associate program, yeah. very common with banks, right? Um, every six months you rotate in a different rotation or a different department. And it was then and there that I did rotations in business development and sales and marketing. And that's when I was like, this is my DNA. You know, because at, at that point, I didn't really have the self-awareness. Uh, so I'll just pause there to, to, to see, you know, if, if you wanted to go in a specific direction. But in terms of university leading into my career, that's kind of how it all spiraled.
0: Wow. No, no. I I think uh, it's quite interesting. I didn't really know. I know the TMV, but I didn't know, like, that was kind of the story um, towards, like, how you went through about it. Um, It's definitely, like, I feel like you built kind of the the sales kind of grind there, too, because through that kind of company, uh, you're going to different people, getting rejections before midterms, like you said. So um, just meeting people. uh what i guess that was a flipping point when you got that one person but what kept you motivated during that time like you had these exams um how did you keep going why did you why did you believe in what kept that like spark in you to believe in that you can get a client or you can get someone to write you a check like what kept you going during that time
1: yeah i think you know a couple of things there so so the the first part was back to that environment right like being surrounded by anthony uh, dan yeah. uh, aaron Evan, as an example, Jacob eventually like all these guys who who were at Telfer, um, who were who were very ambitious, work working really really hard, but also very knowledgeable about finance, but all, and also genuinely curious. Like they they just loved learning about this domain. Being surrounded by by individuals like this dude was infectious. I can't tell you the difference that being part of this kind of group versus the group that on on a Sunday were out partying. They didn't give a crap about university. They didn't give a crap about you know, where their future was heading. And, and th- honestly, man, I'm, I'm super thankful for the opportunity that, because th- these are small choices. It's like the butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. You know, like one wrong choice, one wrong person, and, and your entire future can get dissuaded mm-hmm. in right? and, and ways you, you might not even want it uh, to. So I think the first part was just being surrounded by these, uh, by these individuals who were super ambitious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was infectious. It was kind of competitive too, you know, like friendly. I mean, in a nice competitive environment where we all wanted to uh, to be better, you know, and, and we would get grilled. Like, if we're if someone we had weekly pitches, so we were responsible for different sectors. Mm-hmm. And if you came in and you pitched and that happened to me, you can ask Aaron about this. They destroyed me, dude. I pitched this like petrochemical company at one point I had I, I knew nothing about, but f- financially, they looked solid for some reason. And, anyways, I came not prepared, let's put it that way, and I got destroyed. And it was these small lessons that we really learned early on is, is to come fully prepared. Uh, don't bullshit what you're talking about. If you don't know a, an answer, you know, say that that you'll figure it out and come back. And then just to your point about persistence, that's what it taught us, right? Mm-hmm. That, listen, we're gonna graduate in three years with this same paper, the same font, the same font type size and text on this one piece of paper. Yeah. It's not gonna set me from a brand perspective aside from anybody else. What am I gonna do today that not only is gonna set me, uh, me kind of differently, right? But it's actually gonna give me the skills practically to execute what I'm learning in school. And so we'd come back, like, imagine we do this, we'd go back to, to, to class with like portfolio management, and all the stuff that we're putting into practice with our own money. Now we're learning. So we're, we're grasping it so much quicker than maybe other students are. So, so I, yeah. I just knew early on that the, the brand was so important, right? How, what was the story that I'm going to create from university? And how am I going to leverage the story to get me into a career that I really, really am I'm excited about? Mm.
0: no i that's i I love that um because i love how you it it goes back to the growth mindset there right the the fact that you're persistent like you said you had some presentations that weren't that good you're talking about this company you didn't know but what did you do there you kind of reflected right you didn't you didn't keep doing the same thing you reflected and then you're the biggest thing you said was surrounding yourself with the right people
1: Um, right
0: you think i can resonate with too like the company i was keeping in first and second year was like partying all the time, didn't really care much about school. And then when I shifted that company to people who were more ambitious, wanted to grow. And that's, that's kind of when I think the, the biggest like thing changed. And, and like you said, just ink to paper, right. Um, a degree, like what you want out of your degree is, is going to be what you get out of it in terms of how impactful you make
1: it. So. Um, Sam, that, that, That's so true. That's so true, man. Just that, that last point. And I can't tell you how much I've seen this. Right, I'll give you an example. You're a fit guy. I've, I've seen your transformation on IG, so appreciate the hustle there. Uh, I went through something similar, actually, like in, in early university as well. And I know how how addictive that could be in a good way. I, I would say obsession, actually, with in in a, in a good in a good sense. Thankfully, it's on fitness and not something else. But uh, <laughs> dude, it's crazy how many times like you'll hear, and you probably have right, colleagues who are either in the same department or team that you're in, or 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 friends that were in, in university and said man, I, I hated university, you know, like it did nothing for me and blah, 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 all these like lame excuses that you can throw around. And you know what, maybe they could be true, right? Like maybe you did go to a school that didn't have a great brand name. Maybe you did go to a school that didn't have a great co-op program. Maybe uh, all these things that you can throw externally, but how many questions have you actually directed to yourself and saying that, well, what did you do that that was proactive, right? In changing what you wanted in that outcome. like could you have changed the outcome by five or 10% by you personally choosing to do something different, like joining a club, doing an extracurricular. And I'm not saying, you know, be a boring ass person for four years of, of, of university. These are the golden years too. Like you want to have fun. I'm not saying don't have fun, but you know, in, in retrospect, when, when you're around people like that, you're humbled immediately. Right. It's kind of like, again, in the gym, like you, you think you're all tough shot. You enter a gym, like let's say gold gym and you see, all, all these individuals around you are like i got a lot of work cut out for me right and there's nobody that's going to do that for you right so yeah a lot of it is self-directed
0: yeah and, and the buck stops on you at the end of the day right it's like you got to put in the work you it's and the small like you said the butterfly effect right the small decisions you make are going to compound in the long term so um whether it be you maybe studying that night or you working on your student group yep. versus going on a party um, in a one night, that may not affect it a lot, but compounded over five days, over seven days, over weeks and months, like that will add up a lot, and it'll definitely help you. I feel in in the growth, so um, no, I love that. And talking more about, I guess, uh, so you did stop there, like you did for your school. I guess going going more into like the T, the team part now. So, sure. um, getting into this rotational program, I, I I feel like it does get tough, especially when you're like I don't know if University of Ottawa is like an Ivy League school or anything. Um, sometimes it's tough to get into uh, these rotational programs. Uh, tell me that whole process of how you kind of got into the TMX and, uh, and, and your journey kind of there too for the two years.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, again, well, first of all, Ottawa U is not an Ivy League, uh, and that's okay, right? I was actually very grateful I didn't go through an Ivy League. Mm-hmm. One of the most influential books that, or impactful books, at least for me, uh, on this specific topic was uh, David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. And he literally has maybe like a 40% of the book talking about this, you know, big fish, small pond kind of theory. And that's how I felt at Telfer, right? I felt like um, all the students that I was friends with were genuinely amazing friends that I'm still, uh, that, that I still have these friendships to this day. I felt like when I graduated, and, and it's not me just, like people know how, how close I am to, to, to the school and uh, for a good part, dude, like, they, they, I just think that that, that was important in this whole piece, right? The opportunities that you get, especially again, if you're that proactive person that reaches out, if you're successful and a performer, you get more of the spotlight, which is, which is great, right? Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, the way this all came about. So uh, remember I told you that, that there's this financial lab, right? Yeah. In, in third and fourth year, I actually signed on to be uh, part-time, right? As a lab assistant. So helping students with their courses, uh, leverage these Bloomberg terminals for, for their coursework. And I thought that was cool. Part-time, it's at school, why not, right? It, it, it's kind of easy to do. And I, and I love being in that environment. In, my, in the, Close to the end of the third year, everybody was, as, as you went through, like everybody was applying to like three, 300, 400 online jobs and all these online applications. And people, everybody looked so stressed, dude. And I'm in this lab and, and a buddy of mine comes up and he's like, George, where have, you, where have you been applying to? You know, time is running out. And he just looked so flustered. And I'm like, to be honest with you, man, I haven't applied to anything yet. And he's like, what? Like, stop your you're BSing. Come on, man. I know you're always on top of this stuff. There's no way you're not. And He's like, well, if you're not doing that, like what we're all doing, what are you doing? And I'm like, dude, well, think about this. If you, you just told me exactly the answer as to why I'm not doing it the way you're doing it, because if everybody in our class, and that's about 100 people, if everybody's doing exactly what you're doing, how am I going to stand out? That's stupid right? I'm not going to do that, that, that same, that, that same formula. And he's like, okay, well, so what what are you doing? That's different. And I said, I've spent the past three years with TNV going to Toronto, meeting these people, networking, grabbing coffee, which became the name of my podcast, right? Mm -hmm. I was doing all of this for, for this moment. Mm -hmm. I've been building my network so that when I go to apply, I'm applying to firms with individuals who I respect, who, um, you know, not necessarily look up to, but like, I, I, Whose personality i I can resonate with like this is someone who i can align myself with for the long run and it's a company i'm excited about and so the way i'm applying is sending a quick linkedin note maybe an email hey xyz just wanted to let you know i found this uh, incredible opportunity at the firm anyways i know we've been friends for quite some time um you know hopefully we can catch up on the opportunity just click right and maybe they're going to pass the resume maybe they can throw a name you know, just this small, small, slight leverage that you're going to have over everybody who just applies online with no context, no warm intro. Yeah,
0: okay.
1: So uh, anyway, and in and, and doing this, I, I end up, I'm like, okay, so who are the 10, 20 people? I made a list, literally. I made a list of all the people who I'm close to or who I've gotten close to
0: mm-hmm.
1: and who work at, at places that I figured would be interesting. One of which was Jean de Gagne, who was our sponsor at TNV and became a mentor throughout university. And I'm like, TMX, but I'm like, dude, what am I going to do at TMX? Like at, at that time, I didn't really know what jobs they would have from an exchange perspective. I didn't really have much information. Yeah. And I see, I, I look online and I'm like, a new associate program. I'm like, hold on a second. And I've never done an associate program before. I didn't even know what that was. I read the description. It's a two-year program, six months rotation. You get to see different parts of the exchange. I'm like, well, this is perfect for someone who doesn't really know, you know, which pocket of the exchange they want to get into. Yeah. Anyways, I sent Jean an email. I said, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I explained the, the context. He literally just replies, good luck, period. <laughs> I'm like, all right, dude, I guess, you know, we don't want to have any conflict here. So yeah. I understood why he did that. Mm-hmm. I, I show up to, anyways, I do all the, all the calls and, and funny stuff, funny things happen during those interviews, some, some good, some bad. But luckily I got to, to, the, to the final interview. So we did three in total. We did a call, like actual phone call. The second one was on Skype. The third one was uh, in person. Yeah. The third one was in Toronto. Okay. Keep in mind, I was in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. So they set the interview for 8 a.m. It was something like that, like 8.30 or something. We had to be there quite early. I remember. Mm-hmm. My parents and I drove from Ottawa to Toronto the morning of. So we literally woke up at like, you know, we left at like four or something. Got there at whatever. Uh, no, we probably left at like three even. Anyways, got there at six. Did we stopped at a McDonald's. I changed into my suit at the McDonald's. I get to this final interview. There's 20 of us. Okay, twenty of us. Everybody there, I would say maybe eighty percent are from Ivy League schools Mm -hmm. in Canada, right? They're not like Harvard. I'm like we're talking UBC, Queens. People know in Canada what I'm referring to. McGill, the top schools. I was the only one from Ottawa U. So uh, I get in the room, and you know we're we're kind of having small talk. They had a little bit of a breakfast. We're talking in this big conference room, and everybody starts kind of smirking, like oh the Ottawa U, you know, like. All right, well, one down, you know, if there's 20, now we're only competing with 19, thank God. Like, you know, the, 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 the law of averages, right, UFTs there. And yeah. anyways, I'm like, it's all good, baby, let's go. Like, this is perfect, actually, this is, I need more of this, you know, keep fueling my fire. Uh, I end up doing two interviews, the final one, and, and here's how f- funny how things turn out. Yeah. The final interview was with uh, John McKenzie, who at the time was the president of, uh, or sorry, the, the VP of finance or the CFO at CDS, one of our businesses the depository, he's now our CEO. Right? So imagine how how far things and this was like five years ago. Wow. Um anyways, it came full circle. We finished the interview. Dude, on the way back, I'm driving with my parents. My dad's sitting right next to me. I get a call from Jean. He's like, hey, are you are you driving? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm I'm cool. And I'm literally on 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 the highway. I'm like, no, I'm stopped, man. Don't worry about it. What's going on? He's like, uh all right, I just wanted to say congratulations, uh, you know, for for for, for joining us at TMX and, and you're part of the first cohort. I was the only um, associate to make it externally. So, the, so yeah. there were four or the five associates actually for the first cohort. The other four all had uh, internships at TMX previous. Mm-hmm. So anyways, man, it was, it was a nice kind of full circle moment. Uh, just to say that it doesn't really matter what, what school you go to. If, if you put in the hustle, you put in the work. Again, all the stuff that I did leading up to that, I, I think helps a lot.
0: Wow, such a ins- inspirational story. I feel too, because and I, I really resonate so much with that story too. Because even Ryerson, it's not like one of the top top schools you can say from an Ivy League standpoint. And and when you said eighty percent, twenty percent, like I, I I that reminded me of my final round too. Because it was like thirty thirty of twenty five of us I think, and they only ended up hiring five at the end of the day out of the twenty five. Right. And, and it was funny because uh, there were like one or two Ryerson, and two out of the five ended up being from Ryerson. So it just, it just goes back to say, like, it, if you can stand out, I feel like once you get to the interview, like your, your resume doesn't really matter. You're like a clean slate, like how right. you present yourself and how you, um, perform in the interview and how you represent yourself, I think will be the biggest thing. And, um, just to go more into this, like, I feel like the biggest thing with associate program is they don't only really expect you to know everything. Like people think going into the interview, like they have to be an expert Excel or they have to be an expert at certain things. It's like, I think that what they're really looking for is just your mindset, your mentality, how you talk, how you present yourself, and um, right. yeah, like that, I really resonate with that story, man. That was that was uh, thinking back. Um, this, so yeah, I guess for the audience, what I want to address here is like when you're applying to different associate rotational programs, like don't be afraid or don't be, especially if you don't go to like a high tier school, like apply to it, right? And don't take the direct route. Like I, like you said, if everyone's using the same formula. Um, that's just that you're, you're going to down your chances, but if you do the indirect route, like LinkedIn, uh, I feel like back then that was like five, six years ago now, five years ago.
1: Yeah. That so was, this was end of 2015. Uh, so yeah, I think so. End of, end of, or beginning of 2015, somewhere around there.
0: Okay. So back then I feel like, especially then, like, I feel like no one is using the LinkedIn model. I feel like now a lot of people use it, but I feel like back then, like no one was using it. So think like, I want you to cope to go back in George's shoes. Like what are people doing now? Like people may be doing LinkedIn messages, but think even differently. What are they doing now that is taking it to the next level, right? Whether it's like, um, or do you, have, do you have any tips there too? I don't know, I guess like, do you have any other, yeah. like, or that's something that comes to mind?
1: I mean, you know, what I would say, Sam, is like the context is less important than, than, than the content. Oh, sorry, the content is less important than the context. The
0: context, yeah.
1: Me- meaning that like, you know, if you, if, you, if you go back five years ago, right? Um, when I graduated university and I already I actually already got the the TMX uh, position like I accepted that that's it I was starting in like a month Uh, I ended up publishing my first article that was in 2015 and it was summarizing the four years of lessons I learned in university Mm. and before I pressed that send button I was so so nervous right I was scared and I was like dude what what if I just got this position what what are people going to think you know I just graduated who am I to say what these lessons are and whatever Uh, so there was always like this doubt but just execute, right? Like pushing it out, putting it out to the world. I think that gives you a bit of confidence. The other thing is to your point, dude, I, again, I spent three years, man, three years building this, this, this relationship with Jean. right? Going for drinks, going for coffees. Um, if he, if he's judging at a competition, I'm at that competition, right? Like if, if he's, uh, if he likes articles, for instance, I'm thinking about, about the things he likes, which he likes geopolitics. I kept sending articles to him all the time if he gives me advice, really internalizing it, but like in a month, you know, sending him a quick note saying, hey, dude, I actually applied one of the things you you, you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. So so really just doing everything in my power to build that relationship. Now, it's not like he, he I mean, obviously it's nice to have that warm intro, mm-hmm. but if I wasn't a good candidate, there's nothing he really could have done to say, he wouldn't have wanted me to be inside, right? Yeah. So, and, and I, I didn't even interview with Jean at the end because of that, they didn't want to have any conflict. They wanted to, to be neutral. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, though, I still put in, all that effort to, to just differentiate a little bit, right? Obviously that's gonna make a difference. The last part is like when, when you show up to the interview, exactly what you're saying, your capacity, dude, your IQ, all that stuff is great as like a threshold. Mm-hmm. But if you're coming from a, from a somewhat of a good university and you make it to the final interview, mm-hmm. everybody's at the same baseline at this point. That 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 was my mindset, mm-hmm. right? At this point, like now that we've gotten here, mm-hmm. all your IV, like the brand, all that, that nice stuff that, that you got, none of it matters anymore. Now it's just me and you, like personality to personality. Exactly. And whoever is gonna make a difference, whoever thinks or whoever TMX thinks is gonna be a better fit, mm-hmm. that's who's, who's gonna make it. But I remember the night before I was literally lying on my bed mm-hmm. and I had a, a, a notepad and I just, I had this like, I, I kept, uh, I don't know if you listen to Les Brown, motivational speaker, but I kept, I swear this is, I swear to God, this is true. Like just kept, you know, uh, it was on YouTube. It was like an hour or something. Yeah. And I kept telling myself, "There's no way I'm coming back home without this. Like, uh, this is going to be a, a for sure win. There's no way, yeah. there is n- no room for that." And I was thinking of what story I can tell them because I knew one of the questions was why this program versus another, or what what do you think is important about this program? Mm-hmm. And so I prepared the story, and I and I actually made the analogy to the bamboo tree, if you know the, the the, the story there. But the fact that like you plant seeds uh, f- for this tree to grow it doesn't grow the first week, the second week, you know, the farmer goes and and puts water takes care of it. Perfect temperature. You you, you couldn't make the conditions better for this bamboo and it doesn't grow for months on end. I don't know what the exact timeline is. And eventually after a long, long, long time of taking perfect care of this one thing that doesn't seem to grow, right? Eventually grows like 80 feet tall within a couple of days, you know? So anyways, that was kind of my, my analogy to the, to the program just small things, man, to, 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 set you apart. And so that when they're going back and, and analyzing who they're going to select, you know, you, you have a running, uh, running start.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, really, really great advice. Um, I feel like we can keep going back and forth with this time with this, with this certain topic, like forever, since we're both, we're kind of at the same shoes at that time. But uh, I want to talk more about you at TMX, like right now. So you, you're at TMX, you're currently the vice president of uh, Midwest U.S., but, uh, that's just the title. Tell me more about the role that you do and like, uh, what, uh, what, what you do to kind of your day to day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and you're right. It is just a title. I don't, I mean, one, like, even if you look at LinkedIn, um, I think what's more important is is the like a purpose that you attach to what you're trying to do in your role versus the title. Um, so if you look at my LinkedIn, it's connecting us companies to capital, which is really the definition of what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. If you think about what to, the Toronto stock exchange for those who might not be as familiar, or the TSX Venture. Yeah. These two things are, are uh, essentially marketplaces, okay? They're marketplaces where companies are able to uh, list, a, you know, a, a percentage of their shares. So a percentage of the ownership of their company so that folks like you and I can partake in, in, that, uh, in that piece of pie, let's say. And so that, you know, the, the, the more they grow, the more they, or the better that they perform, we get a bit of reward from partaking in that performance. So, so really think of it that way. It's kind of, it kind of operates like a shopping mall, right? But instead of the, the, the stores, these are companies. Instead of consumers, they're investors. Yes. As just just to, to, to lay the foundation for those not in finance. I think that's important. So we have these two marketplaces, right? We have about 3,200 companies listed on both exchanges. The TSX is for larger companies. TSX Ventures for smaller companies, okay? When companies look at these marketplaces, they're really looking to raise money. So these are like venues to, to be able to raise money for growth, uh, for, for acquiring other companies down the road, but also for profile, right? For exposure, for any entrepreneur listening, this is like the Super Bowl of going public. Uh, sorry, the Super Bowl of entrepreneurship. That's kind of the, the, the example I used, right? Um, it really is, man, it's, there's a celebration around it. There's, um, you know, there's headlines, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a massive, massive milestone, right? For any entrepreneur, dude, you're taking literally an idea on a Kleenex paper or a tissue paper or, a, or a, just a blank piece of paper. And you're getting to the, to the podium where you're raising at times 2 million, at times 20, and at times 200 million. So it's a milestone regardless. And I think that's what's cool. Back to what we're doing in the US, we're taking this concept, right, of, of helping companies raise public capital, taking it to, um, I guess, a, a country where going public is a, is a different kind of beast. So in the US, when you when you think of going public, Typically here, uh, the the median IPO size or the median financing size when companies do this sort of thing is about 250 million. In fact, if you just look at Chicago, the average financing size for companies that end up going public is 150 million. So all this to say that in the US, the big takeaway here, companies are much larger in size, but they're also doing much larger financings. In Canada, it's a different market, dude we're really focused on small to medium uh, companies. Now, obviously we have larger companies and you've seen the big tech run we've had. You know, we have Shopify, we have Lightspeed, we have uh, Nuve out of Montreal, Diane We have We have these nice uh, tech, I guess, success case studies that are, are much larger than than previously uh, we've seen. And that, that's amazing. But we also have this marketplace that helps uh, smaller, you know, medium-sized companies. And that's what we're trying to do here in the US. So what I'm trying to do is, is really grow our office here in Chicago, head up the Midwest, work with, with companies across, you know, Central US, help them learn about what this even means, right? What the process looks like. And if it's right for the company, help them kind of quarterback uh, the whole way through. Oh,
0: no, uh, I love the explanation that you gave of that because I feel like sometimes with exchanges, people get like, they don't really know what they do. So kind of explaining in that context really is, is good. I feel like for the audience, especially those who don't know finance, um, with that too, now you've been in the role for about a year. What have been some of your biggest wins, um, uh, getting, whether it be, uh, getting a company or, uh, funding or, or, or just an example of, of a few. Yeah.
1: It, it's a great question, dude. Um, you know, and, and, let me set the context for, for folks. So, so I moved, uh, I moved end of November, right. Yeah. I went to see my family in the middle East in December and I like full time came to Chicago starting this whole thing in January. Mm-hmm. So to your point, only a year. With that said, I had two months actually in market, meeting people physically. The rest of that time, including today, where we are uh, full virtual, right? So so building this market, building this office from scratch, dude, I didn't know anybody in Chicago, didn't know anybody in the Midwest. Building this kind of thing, pretty much virtual is, is, was a different kind of challenge than I anticipated, which is awesome, right? Looking back, cause I learned a lot through it. And luckily I was a bit more prepared, let's say, than someone who, wasn't apt on the technical on the technology side or mm. using social platforms like LinkedIn, et cetera. Just some context, I think was, was important. Yeah. Um, if I look at the win right f- for the first year, I had, I had pretty much th- three different objectives. The, the first objective is for me to be able to build the right relationships with both companies and influencers, mm. influencers being anybody who's related to the, the transaction, investment banks, lawyers, accountants, uh, deal makers, right? Just networkers, connectors, et cetera. And then the companies themselves in, in different sectors, technology, life sci clean tech, companies who were in some cases a little early for us, but to start building that relationship early. And the way I, I, I position the conversation is, listen, Sam, I know you're the CEO of XYZ company. I know this is down the line for you, right? I don't expect you to tell me that you're ready to raise cap, but, but here are some of the checkpoints that are, might, might be helpful to you uh, for this growth related milestone, whether you end up going public or end up raising a big private round, whatever it is, I think they could be a value. That was, that was literally my pitch. Okay. And, and so I kept, and this is obviously for earlier stage companies, some are a bit farther down the line. So one was, was really establishing those relationships. This, the second one was, was around brand, right? Brand exposure, brand awareness, the way we did that. And some of the wins were, for instance, like we, we partnered up with the mayor's office here in Chicago uh, but also with a nonprofit called Chicago Next, uh, where we launched this this new portal and you can check it out. It's, it's Startup Chicago, where we're literally highlighting all the the local uh, startups and growth companies here in, in, in the city and kind of fairly across the Midwest, but also connecting them to, to US investors nationwide, mm-hmm. right? So we're trying to bring capital to the Midwest. And I think there's a bit of that, not patriotism, but there's this feeling in the Midwest, similar to Toronto, where mm-hmm. it's like we can do this without... The support of the coasts, you know, because everybody talks about Silicon Valley, New York. So we want to have this this feeling here in the Midwest that we can do that. And and that was one win for us, just to say that. Listen, we're aligning with this this mission. What I want to be seen for when you tell me like what what's my what's my ideal vision for this market? Mm-hmm. It's not to list x amount of companies, right? That's a short term goal, right? It's kind of what 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 uh, Simon Sinek talks about in, in the Infinite Game, right? Mm-hmm. Is is having the vision beyond that. Dude, I, I want to, I, first, I want to do two things. I want TSX and TSXV to be part of that conversation. When you think about raising money as an entrepreneur, I want us to be on that menu of financing because it's not, and the second thing is if it's right for the companies, what I want to do, dude, I, I, I basically want to bring that capital to companies in the Midwest. I want to see them grow. And I want to be able to, in the next three to five years, look at this kind of market and say, damn, dude, we've helped, let's say 10 companies and with a market share of 500 million, 5 billion, whatever. And we were a part of that uh, story. And so anyways, Chicago next was one, one thing, but the second quarter was brand awareness. And and then the, the third part was honestly about education all within that first year, right? Nobody knew what TSXV is. A lot of people still don't. What TSX venture is the ability to do this earlier in their life cycle. This whole notion doesn't exist in the U S so there's a lot of evangelizing early on. Um, but we have two two actually two companies now in the midwest they're engaged with a with a banker actually in toronto they're raising a bridge bridge round so they're getting close to that hump uh, and hopefully in this year man we'll see some that cross the line but uh, from a high level that, that's what i'm more passionate about is actually building this community and not being this like flyover right take a couple of companies public and just get the get the hell out that's not that's not what i want to be seen as
0: i see so it's it's, it's pretty much uh helping them with the whole process of of going public and then kind of being there with them throughout that process. Like you said, you want to be there, you want to see that growth throughout five years. Um, I guess kind of like going into this more. So right now you're kind of getting in the process of them going public. Um, Once they are at that rate, um, what are some things that you're hoping to do kind of like after that initial like public offering, like to help them kind of, um, or steer gate um, growing, um, getting to that, like you said, 500 million or that bigger cap especially when they're small cap companies, right? Um, I feel like uh, small cap companies are a lot more volatile um, than these mid cap, larger cap companies. So um, how are you, um, what are some of the things that, um, that you're gonna do um, kind of to help them navigate through that landscape?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, a lot of what's around that answer is actually a different team within TMX, but I'll explain it uh, as best as I can. Um, So within my role, it's helping these companies cross the line, right? Once they cross the line, and it's not to say once they cross the line, like I I lose all contact, but obviously, you know, I have to direct my attention to to other companies who might need that support as well. With that said though, here's how, here are some of the things that that we typically do, right? If you look at these two exchanges, right? The TSX Venture, TSX, to use your example of a smaller company doing this. Mm -hmm. If you look at a company like The Score, Right. Or to folks in the US, this is our version, the Canadian version of ESPN. Yeah. It's a media company for sports related news and other things like that. Yeah. And a good buddy of mine actually heads up their social media. So kudos.
0: Okay. Um, Doc's actually grown a lot lately. Uh, score? Yeah, Yeah. They,
1: they've, they've been doing well. You know, they've leveraged the public markets, right? Yeah. In the right way. And, and obviously they're in a nice subsector around esports. So yeah. if you look at, I'm just using this example uh just as a, as a case study but mm-hmm. you know if you look at if you look at that story they started on the tsx venture okay ended up uplisting not too long ago a couple months ago they actually uplisted or graduated uh to the tsx okay. so what happens is when companies get to a certain market cap market cap meaning uh, think of this as like their valuation yeah right what are their val- once they get to a certain threshold they're able to graduate to the tsx now why would they why would they want to do that if someone's thinking about that well The best example I can give you right, to to compare this to, if you're a sports fan, this is like going from the NCAA to the NBA, right? So why would Zion Williamson wanna leave Duke, right? A great coach and then then migrate to the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, obviously uh, more money, which is true in our case as well. You graduate to the TSX, you're going to naturally have larger institutional investors, Mm -hmm. more liquidity, you're gonna get more eyeballs, just like the NBA, it's a larger platform. Um, They're both similar, Mm -hmm. but they they come with different, um, I would say different um, pros, let's say, okay, to to put it simply. So anyways, how we help them obviously is we're giving them the the opportunity to step up to the TSX, giving them this TSX venture as like an incubating platform to get comfortable with being a public entity, right? And also, I would say providing listing requirements that are a bit more flexible and tailored to companies at that stage. Now, obviously we have a relationship management team that does a great job actually when they are public. So this is the different team that I'm talking about, Um, that does a great job dude, at at really providing the right resources, but also the right education. A lot of these companies, this might be their first time going through something of this. So we have an online university that we kind of call sandbox with different webinars, workshops, all the things that come with being a public entity, right? Storytelling, the vision, the press release, the investor relations, uh, the, the disclosures, all the things that you have to think about, we offer that kind of support so that you're successful, not just getting to that stage, but also continuing on and, and moving forward. Um, so yeah, we, we, we try to do a lot of that. At the end of the day, Sam, like, I'm just going to say one last thing is back to that larger vision, right? And I think this is important. When, when you're listening to this, like, listen more to, again, the context, not the content. My content's different than you. You might be in the caking industry, you might be in the sports industry, it doesn't matter. But yeah. the, the main part here is success for me isn't just taking a company public, because if they go public and it's the wrong company and they're unsuccessful in being a public company, that would, look, that would be a, a loss for, for all three parties involved. Mm. What we're looking for is the right company that's doing this process for the betterment of their growth, mm. so it makes sense for them, and they're actually going to be successful when they do hit the stage that is a W and that's playing the infinite game versus playing the short game. Yeah. Right? And having a mission versus metrics.
0: Wow. Well, no, that, that usually spot on answered, like the question, I think to the, to the context I, I wanted. Um, uh, but yeah, th- that's good to hear. Um, I, I I do want to go into this, but I kind of want to move to the next part of the, the show too, um, which is more about now we kind of talked about, you, we talked about the company you work at, um, we talked about the growth mindset, but I guess tying it in now, but uh, what's one thing you kind of wish now, like uh, before all this happened, you've been in this great role, um, what's one thing you wish you knew before you started your career?
1: Um, Um, uh, Yeah, this is a good question. I I would say the the number one thing I I wish I, not necessarily knew because I think sometimes, like you know smoking is bad, but you still do it, you know, sometimes there's a bit of that, but I, I wish I internalized a bit better that um, it's in some stages in your career, taking the stairs is better than taking the elevator, right? And I, I've said this a few times before, but what I mean there is at some points in your career, you're going to have opportunities to jump up, okay? To be a bit more, a bit more general. Jump up meaning in, in salary, a different opportunity. And it's difficult when, when you're younger and you're just starting out in your career to, to decline those opportunities. For the for the greater vision that you might have, right, and, and really understand and visualize what that could be in terms of where you are today. Mm-hmm. So what I what I was struggled with early is is the ability to to say no, the ability to stick through with with certain things, because a lot of things came my way, you know. And if it was a better pay, a better or you know a nicer a flashier title, a sexier title, a bigger promotion, you just jump on it, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's it's having the ability to to really lean on that foresight of where you're actually heading and just stay on that path and, and really believe deep down that be, having a bit more patience, taking the more gradual path, right? Building the calf muscles by taking the stairs is going to prepare you for a marathon once you reach the top versus taking the elevators and reaching the top, being a fat person who's, uh, well, I shouldn't say fat, but the the um, not so fit person, you know, reach, re- reaching the 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 sort of last stage and, and then trying to, to do a marathon, you know? So, so I, I think in a nutshell, it, it would just be that it would be, be a bit more patient, dude, and, and, and just trust a bit more in the process, really try to enjoy the process. I know these things are talked to, uh, talked a lot about, but enjoying the process in the sense that, mm-hmm. and here, here's what I'm trying to get to like micro, what you're going through now is going to help you to where you want to become But just because where you are now is let's say not a VP and not a CEO titles aside, this is the most important stage of your life. Every stage you're in is the most important. Why? Because, and and I always say this, like you need to act in terms of who you want to become, right? Everybody just wants to become something, right? Like I want to become a founder, but you're not doing anything today that's going to help you get to that point. So that if an opportunity came, if an idea was presented to you, right, mentally, and you were to execute it, you don't have any of the infrastructure to do this. You know, it's like it's like an individual who's who has an arts background, never once built a bridge, you know, and, and now all of a sudden wants to become an engineer. You don't have the infrastructure.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. No, I, I think it's uh you, like you said, it's it's more focusing on the, the inputs, right? Um people get carried away sometimes with the output that they want to get to the, the final stage. Um, and they kind of get to tread away from their inputs. They focus on, the, uh, forget about the now. So, uh, and, and it's, it's quite uh, interesting because I saw a common theme that I've been asking a lot of people who experience this growth early on, uh, they've it, kind of come up with, with that same answer of patience. Um,
1: tough man, it's, it's not easy, dude. You know, again, it's always in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, because you know what, what's gonna happen too, and I'm kind of going through, like you're gonna get to a point where you're afraid that there might be a ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you kind of think, because if you go from like 24 to 27 and you're always jumping, you know, like you're, you're, I don't know if you've ever seen this, this, uh, this equipment that the basketball players use. I forgot what it's called, but you get when you know, which one I'm talking about? Um, LeBron uses this all the time. What is that? Not the staircase, but the other one.
0: I don't, anyways. It's like a climbing. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: It's like a ladder, basically. It's one yeah. of those things. Yeah. It kind of feels like, like you're always moving to the next, the, yeah. the next loop, right? And then you get to a point where if that's all you're chasing, that's not always going to be the case in your career, right? You might have to be in a place for a year or two, four or five. And the most important part is executing, right? That's where I'm, I'm at in my career now. I'm not concerned with the next, and it's not to say that I'm not open to, but it's not, that's not my focus anymore. I'm focused on executing, executing in my current role you know and and that's the advice that our our ceo john mckenzie gave me actually when i was an associate you know i said like what's the number one thing you tell me he's like just be the best you can be now if 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 all you're doing is worrying about the next thing you're not doing what you're supposed to do now and so you're never going to get to the next thing right
0: yeah very 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 true um so um ending it off kind of here with you too um so uh, what? Who, are you, who is George outside the work? We've been talking a lot about uh, you and the your career, but who is George Khalife kind of outside the workplace, outside uh, being the vice president of Tmx?
1: Yeah, man. Um, you know who I am outside outside of my career is um, someone who uh, I would say loves to, to work on things that um, you know he's passionate about. Like that. That's something I always do. So even on the weekends, man, like doing a podcast. Uh, I can't wait to get to the weekend where I'm working on my personal brand, writing content, working on my podcast. Uh, these are things that may, might seem work to, to people listening, but it's truly things, it's kind of like, think about think of them as like a passion project. Mm-hmm. They're things I'm super proud of. And, and I love spending time working on these things. Um, I love spending time with my fiance. Now it's easier because we're always in a condo. We recently got engaged. Yeah, so uh, thanks, man. And, and yeah, I, mean, I spent a lot of time. We spend a lot of time together, whether it's watching Netflix, sometimes doing things that, you know, like maybe an activity or now we're trying to cook a bit more at home and yeah. doing stuff like that. Um, I'm someone who loves to exercise. I'm really passionate about that. Yeah. And not just like going to the gym, you know, 30 minutes out, like uh, really love trying different workouts, mm-hmm. testing different things on, on myself, whether it's on, a, on, on a tr- nutrition or fitness. So like I took up running a lot this summer. Right. Down, down, downloaded uh, the Nike run app and tried to push myself, right. Like yeah. doing 10, 15 Ks, 20 Ks. And then the last part is honestly, man, I love documentaries. Like that's some, something I, I really love. I don't know if that's, uh, and, and I watch the weirdest stuff, dude. My, my fiance hates, hates so- sometimes listening to the things I, I listen to, <laughs> whether it's like a murder mystery or national geographic mm-hmm. um, or a political documentary, stuff like that. But, um, and, and a big fan of the UFC, for sure, mm-hmm. and I and I got Connor tonight. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Who who are you on? Are you on Connor or?
1: Dude, I, it's tough because I love them. Well, I love them as fighters both, um, and it's it's tough too because like they're both playing nice guy now.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's not like one is playing kind of the enemy, and, and it's easy to root. I would say just like uh, from a fighting perspective, I think if it's within one round, I would give it to Connor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think past the mid of the second round, I would give it to to the Diamond.
0: Yeah, I
1: okay. think Poirier, so I'd have to do that, man. But yeah, I enjoy them both as, as fighters, like in terms of their style. They're both boxers, Yeah. so it's going to be interesting to see what happens.
0: Yeah, definitely. What, what
1: about you? Are you?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm on Connor too there. I, I do agree with that thing that you said, though. I think if it's early on, I think Connor's kind of going to take it, right? You've seen him kind of like those big, like early, like uh, mysterious knockouts, right? So you never know. But yeah, I'm just excited to see it, to be honest, like anticipated fight. So yeah. Love it, man. Yeah, George. So uh, we are almost at time. So uh, I appreciate you being on the show with me today, man. I I learned so much from you. It was great hearing your story, who you are as a person. And it kind of translates to that mindset, right? Because hearing how you speak and hearing your experiences, it just shows that you have to go through everything you've gone through to kind of get that growth mindset. And it's the way you approach things and the way you act through them. So I really love this chat, George. I, I love connecting with you again. And I really appreciate you being here today with me, man.
1: Thanks to you, dude. I mean, for doing this on a Saturday, and uh, good luck to you on the podcast. I know you just, you know, recently joined the program as well, so uh, I have no doubt that you, you're, you know, you're going to keep crushing it. And, um, and I would say, you know, being someone who also portrays this this growth mindset that we're that we're talking about. So, so keep it up, man. Keep fighting the good fight, and hopefully, we'll we'll do this again soon.
0: Thanks, Gary. Talk to you soon.
1: Thank you for making it all the way
0: to the end of the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. It would mean a lot if you could leave a rating on the respective platform that you're listening on and also give me your feedback to future episodes. I'll be moving to a tri-weekly schedule moving forward. So episodes will be posted once every three weeks. And yes, thank you for your support and hope to see you all next time.